Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. I am Aaron Summers. The regular season is finally here and we are officially in game week. The Saints were off Friday through Sunday as they got to rest and spend time with the family before the season really kicks off. They're back at it today with practice this afternoon and coaches and players available as well. You can watch all of that on NewOrleansSaints.com. The Saints will have Tuesday off and then practice Wednesday through Friday before heading to Atlanta on Saturday. It's a 12 central kick at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and will be on Fox. Our pre and post game show will stream live on NewOrleansSaints.com and across our social media platforms. We had some great guests on the podcast last week between Joel Myers, Manti Teo, and Ronald Curry. However, I know a lot went down last week in the Saints' final week of camp, and today we are talking about all of that. There was the injury to offensive tackle Trevor Penning in the last preseason game against the Chargers. Cornerback Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was traded to the Eagles. The official 53-man roster came out as well as the practice squad, and then there was the Marcus May news. With all of that, it was only right that we brought in Todd Graffinini and John Shazer today. Welcome, Todd Graffinini, John DeShazer. I appreciate you guys joining me today on the podcast. We have a lot of football to get to. Last week we had a few guests, didn't really talk about everything that's been happening with the team. The 53-man roster is named, 16-man practice squad, and then, of course, there was a big trade and a couple injuries. So I want to start with those things first. We had the injury to Trevor Penning in the Chargers preseason game, last preseason game. Haven't seen him out at practice, but how do you think that injury could affect things with the team? What's the impact there? Well, the major thing first is depth. Uh, James Hurst was probably going to start at the left tackle position anyway. Uh, so if you don't have the rookie in, uh, you lose that second line, um, second line, the backup tackle, basically, the left tackle. Uh, and so that's the main thing. He was getting a lot of reps, actually improving a lot, I thought and um, was looking pretty good. But I don't think he was going to be in a position where he was going to overtake James Hurst for that position. Now, who knows how it would have worked out, but it's fortunate that, that James Hurst has returned. Uh, it's fortunate that James Hurst has been a starter. And um, so you don't lose from that standpoint. But the biggest thing is, you know, he doesn't get the reps. Uh, you lose that depth. And so now you've got to hopefully maybe be able to plug in a Lewis kid or somewhere else as, as maybe a swing tackle or a backup tackle. I guess, I, I mean, if you want to have some type of positive from it, though, is that he did get a bunch of reps because Hurst was out for a considerable amount of time. He actually, his last practice was the first Tuesday practice against Green Bay. So since then, Penning had pretty much gotten every first team rep at left tackle, including against Houston, Green Bay. So he did have game action where he played the majority. I, I believe Ian Book was the only uh, Saints player that had more snaps in the preseason than Trevor Penning did up until obviously the last game against the Chargers when mm -hmm. he got hurt in the in the first series. So, um, so at least look, he's going to miss a 
significant amount of time. We know that, but it, it, it's not like when he comes back, he had no idea what he was doing because I thought he played pretty well, like you mentioned, J.D., and, and was starting to progress. And it does just kind of stink that he's not going to be able to get those reps during the year, even though Hurst will probably most likely be the starting left tackle. There were some reports that came out Monday morning saying that surgery has been a success. That doesn't seem like he'll be out as long as first anticipated. So could be... You know, the, the, the good news that comes out of, of that injury is ability to maybe come back later in this season, something we'll keep an eye on. Of course, the Saints made big news before the roster was actually announced with the trade to C.J. Gardner-Johnson to the Philadelphia Eagles on Tuesday. What were your initial reactions to that, and maybe where do you sit with it now? Um, it's one of those things where I thought from a depth perspective, I think they felt like they had quality guys there. Uh, if you're talking about Bradley Roby, who has filled in the slot during uh, preseason and training camp and looked really, really good doing it. Uh, if you're talking about maybe bringing Alante Taylor along, uh, you've got P.J. Williams, who has played that and every other spot in the secondary, I believe. And so from that standpoint, I think they felt from a depth perspective, I don't think they felt like there would be a significant loss. Now, you know, when you're talking about trades and you're talking about a guy who's a slot nickel corner starter, however you want to phrase it, now you're talking about you know contractual contractual issues. Mm-hmm. You know, was there going to be an issue where the Saints were going to be able to meet whatever it was that CJ felt like he was worth? And that's one of those situations where at some point you've got to be a judge of, okay, can we afford him as well as Eric McCoy, as well as Marcus Davenport when it comes to that? Because other contracts are coming up. That's just a fact of life in the NFL. It's a business. And so now you got to judge whom you can pay market value, uh, what it's going to cost, where you're going to be around the salary cap, and how you make it all fit. And if you're talking about depth, ain't no backup center like Eric McCoy. <laughs> you know, Marcus Davenport has proven his worth when healthy. That's always been the caveat with him if he can stay healthy, but he would be worth a king's ransom if he's healthy. And so those are the two guys who are probably prioritized in this situation. I'm going to piggyback on that as well, J.D., and think about if Jameis Winston has the type of year at quarterback that we all hope he will. I mean, let's let's be honest. Jameis Winston right now is got one of the cheapest quarterback contracts in the NFL. If he plays like, again, we all hope he can and will this year, that contract's going to get ripped up, and they're going to—I mean—and he's going to have to get paid quarterback money in theory. Yeah, and I believe Jarvis, like real, Landry, you know, yeah, I think Jarvis Landry might be on the one-year deal. So, I mean, there are a whole lot of tentacles to it, to where you say, you know, it's easy for to sit back and right, every, right. all the fans say, okay, pay him, pay the man, pay the man. You can't pay everybody; it just doesn't work that way. You cannot pay everyone, and so you know you have to make tough, de- de- tough decisions. And that's one of the tough decisions that's that was made. Yeah, and it's you know obviously the the fans didn't like it because he's a very popular player. Yeah. But I mean you know fans are fans, and you've got to you've got to approach this thing not only from the football sense, but as JD mentioned, the business sense as well. And that's just part of it. And um, you know we'll we'll see how he does up in Philly as a safety, as a safety, as, which yeah, is, which, which a is a position he has not played. Yeah, he's been a nickel guy who's in the middle of the action. He's in the he's right in the mix of it. He's at the line of scrimmage. And so now, you know, how does he handle the new position? You know, is it going to be an adjustment for him? You know, it all just remains to be seen. 
He has played cornerback with the Saints for the entire time that he's been here, played safety at Florida, wanted to be paid and treated as a starting safety in this league. Right now, the Saints are projected to be $61 million over the salary cap next year. So there it is. That's the the money coming into play right there for sure. Um, We had a little bit of negative news coming out later in the week. Reports came out Thursday about Marcus May's arrest. How does that affect the depth in the secondary? How do we feel about that uh, coming out? I mean, legally, you just it has to play out. I mean, I don't know how much more we can comment on it uh, other than we just have to see how it all shakes out. I, I mean, I would expect that he's going to play uh, against Atlanta because obviously none of this has come up in the, in the legal system yet. So, again, unfortunate, whatever happened, we don't know what happened and it's all just got to shake out that mm-hmm. way but uh, i would assume again that's this is just me i would think he's going to play against atlanta no yeah. that's not just you that's the reality it okay. doesn't affect the depth whatsoever yeah. um and unless there is an issue that legally has to be addressed immediately um there is nothing you know on the field to really to really determine anything about it. i mean the the depth chart will be what the depth chart was and will continue to be until that issue is resolved Definitely. So surprises, anything that stood out to you when the 53-man roster was officially set? Not really. I don't I don't think um, anything jumped off the page. Um, would have been interesting to see what might have happened at receiver had Traquan Smith not been injured. Um, what might have happened on the offensive line had Trevor Penning not been injured. But Otherwise, I don't think there was any anything where you you know you just jumped mm-hmm. up and said, "Man, I I cannot believe that guy made the fifty three. No, I I would agree, and I think the good news there is also that even in the discussions we had had watching camp, being there every single day at practice, guys who we perceive to have very good camps, if they did not make the fifty three, they are back now. So right. as as practice squad players, and again, the only one you lost was Ian Book, and we kind of realized early on that it did did not look like that book was going to make the final 53 um so again the good news is is that if guys that are on the 53 right now if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing then these guys that have been developing during camp and that are on the practice squad can easily be brought up and even when you mention ian book who would have been at best the third quarterback you still got taste hill taste from hill on correct roster and so if if for some reason, God, I, I should be knocking on wood somewhere. I'll do if, it for you, Jameis Winston went down, and if Andy Dalton went down, <laughs> Here we uh, go. Taysom Hill would be the third option anyway. He right. would have been the guy that has played in the NFL and has won NFL games, so he would have been the guy anyway. So Ian Book, even even in that circumstance, would have slid to the fourth guy. So you know, from that standpoint, it's not that huge of a loss roster-wise because you already have your third quarterback. I think that when the 53 came out, everybody was kind of saw it as – to be expected. Dennis Allen made the comment that the people that they signed on the practice squad were younger players, players that they saw the ability to develop them and and be a part of this system maybe down the line. Who are some of the players on the practice squad that you think may have an opportunity at some point? I mean, the obvious is Kirk Merritt. Uh, you know, that might have been the maybe he could have made the final 53, but I think they're still in developmental stage with him. Um, but I would I would actually be pretty surprised if he didn't play in the league this year with with the Saints at some point uh, during the season. Um, it was good to see him. It was good to see uh, 
Deshaun Dixon, uh, who had a very good camp. Big, big receiver, uh, good hands, made some plays in the preseason. And um, it's good to see him come back, too. A uh, little surprise also that Eric Wilson was able to clear waivers. That's another one who could have maybe made the final 53, J.D., but I think in that linebacker spot where we talked about at all camp, who was going to be on the up opposite side of Demario Davis, uh, having a veteran presence like Wilson there uh, is going to be key because, I again, I'd be shocked if he did not play with at some point this year with the Saints. Absolutely. I think he's going to play early. I mean, linebackers get hurt. He's a special teams guy. Uh, he understands how to play in the NFL because he's an NFL veteran and you know, he really was a guy who stood out in the preseason in terms of being able to get to the football and get the football out. And so, yeah, I expect I expect him to play. Kirk Merritt, you know, always interesting because they were looking for ways to keep him. And if they're looking for ways to right. keep a guy, they're looking for ways to make sure that he mm-hmm. can be utilized at some point in time. Um, the, the running back room is not extremely deep. <laughs> um, you know, you've got your two guys. You've got Alvin Kamara. You've got Mark Ingram. You've got Tony Jones Jr. also. And Dwayne and Washington now. Dwayne Washington right. back. Um, but Dwayne Washington is essentially a special teams guy. Um, he's not utilized much at running back. So you've basically got your three guys. And at some point, Kirk Merritt probably will be worked into the mix. Now we say that at running back. I think it'll be at running back because I don't I don't think it'll be at receiver. It, and, it, <laughs> you know, you're bringing up the point and I just – the other that last game was such a head scratcher for the Chargers because they approached Merritt after Green Bay and said you're going to play running back and he took every rep that week as a running back and then during the Chargers game did not play at all at running yeah, back. Yeah, but when you take the you take the reps at running back in practice and think about it, you take those reps and you get in the blitz situation and then it's like yeah. eh, maybe we shouldn't do this right now. So you give him that extra Good time point. to understand, you know, blitz, blitz pickup pick and those kinds of packages. Yeah. And so, you know, he might not be ready to play running back right now, but you know, three, four weeks from now, who knows? He might have enough knowledge of it to where because blitz pickup is significant. You can't have a guy back there who's getting your quarterback knocked out. You better have somebody back there who can pick up a blitzer. Yeah, definitely don't think they want to risk any injury to Winston any more than what he suffered during the training camp. Hopefully he's going to be back and ready to go full speed as soon as things kick off Sunday, 12 o'clock against the Atlanta Falcons. Speaking of the start of the season, how are we, how are the vibes going into this season for you guys both? You know, you've been around for a while, you've covered a lot of seasons, but how do things feel heading into 2022? Uh, Well, there's always optimism. For me, and I think for fans, I mean, you know, fans always look at the top. Now, you know, you're going into the second season without Drew Brees. And so now I think the enthusiasm is Jameis Winston had 14 touchdowns, three interceptions last year before he got hurt. Can he extrapolate that over an entire season? And I don't think it's going to be that ratio, but, you know, can he protect the football because that's significant with this team that really is what you want from the offense I don't know if this is going to be a 35 points a game offense but I don't think they have to be when you got this kind of defense and that's the thing you know for the first time in since what oh four five somewhere in there this team its identity begins with the defense stepping off the bus Kind of last year, I guess, because it was James' first season. But now you've got the identity of this team is it starts with the D, and it's going to end with the D. I'm really curious as to see how Pete Carmichael 
and the offensive staff are going to handle Jameis this year because I think Sean Payton had it drilled into his head so very early last year. It was almost conservative. And, you know, Jameis, he can he can let it fly. Uh, I think it was maybe to his detriment a little bit. He was thinking about not turning it over so much that it took away what he does best. So are we going to see maybe more of a happy medium this year with Jameis? Uh, maybe a little more vertical passing game. Now, all of this is you know, hinged on how the offensive line performs. And I think that's going to be the key to this whole season. Personally, Uh, if the offensive line can stay intact, I think the saints are going to have a really good year. Um, But are they going to, are they going to kind of let the reins loose a little bit more on Jameis this year than, than last year? Because again, I think it was just very, very conservative. And again, like you said, if you got this type of defense, why be, that risky, but I think they can afford to take some risk with Jameis because he's he throws one of the best deep balls in the NFL. I mean, he is deadly accurate uh, throwing those fifty yarders. Uh, I mean, he had what that pass against uh, Washington last year against uh, to Deontay Hardy, uh, just on the money. So we'll see how they handle him. Yeah, now he's got some people who can go get correct. It mm-hmm. and, and and I think, and I might be wrong. I think last year the game he got hurt. Unfortunately, I think that was the game where the raps were coming off. Mm-hmm. He was Trevor, starting to run. Yeah, Trevor, Trevor Simeon comes off the bench and in two and a half quarters throws almost 40 passes. Right. So they were, you know, that was in the game plan. Hey, we're going to throw it. Now Tampa Bay makes it tough to run against them anyway. But I think that was in a game plan where they're going to throw it. And so I thought that was the game where it was going to happen for Jameis. And unfortunately, that's the game he tore his ACL. And talking to quarterbacks coach Ronald Curry last week, I asked, you know, is the hero ball going to be something we see this season from Jameis Winston? He's been talking a lot about the intermediary passes. And he's like, we have the people with Hardy, with even Chris Olave's speed. Why not keep that in our arsenal this year? Something that we'll definitely mix in here and there. So hopefully we will see it at some point. It'll definitely be a lot of fun. For the season overall, if you had to pick at this point, predict who do you think will be the Saints offensive MVP give me a name uh present or absent is going to be Michael Thomas um one way or the other um he's the linchpin I think of this offense if you have him things change significantly and if you don't things change (laughs) significantly so he he's my guy I think he's going to be healthy I believe he is Uh, but he he's the guy Oh, man. Uh, you know, I knew this question was coming and I still don't have an answer for it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the offensive line as a unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that they are going to be so key. And especially if Hurst can come back healthy and they can stay consistent. Again, it was just a it was a revolving door last year on the offensive line. And again, it got to the point where in that Miami game, they're bringing guys in off the street to play literally two nights before yeah so if we can stay consistent on the offensive line again think about it Eric McCoy got hurt in the first series of the first game against Green Bay last year and 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 they never recovered as far as the consistency uh from left to right so let's stay healthy on the line see how that goes and then I think everything else is going to fall into place because like you've said we got the weapons now that we did not have a year ago obviously Alvin Kamara has been fantastic uh, in in training camp and even in the one game that we saw him had those couple of runs got called back uh, via penalty but he looks spectacular and now Jameis has people to throw to on the outside all right so Graf just named about five people there that's completely cheating um I'd, offensive line <laughs> still more than as, one person one, but one it's a anyways unit. it's a do unit. you have one person for the defensive side defensive MVP Ooh, 
I am going to go Marcus Davenport. It's Good call. it's it's your time, young man. Yeah. It is your time. You, you know, he's been I think his rehab has gone exactly the way that the Saints have wanted it to. Um, he has progressed each and every week, and he got to the point where he was doing team drills right before the last preseason game. And what? It's been two weeks now since we played that game against the Chargers. He should be raring to go uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. And I just think if he stays on the field, what kind of a force he could be? And look, it's the last year of his deal. I mean, he's he's looking for another contract, so. You got to step up, young man, and get it done. That's my pick. Yeah, I was going to take the easy out and say Paulson and Debo, but that's almost like cheating. I'm going to go with Bradley Roby. <laughs> okay, um, Bradley Roby as the nickel corner who you know is coming in, and I just think he's going to be really effective in that position. We've seen him cover, mm-hmm. and last year he never caught up to to really what the Saints were doing. He was, he came in on the fly. It was almost an unfortunate and almost an unfair situation for him. But to come in and to play the way he's been this this preseason, this offseason, he looks like he's got it down, Pat. We know he can cover. And if he can handle that spot, and I think he can, uh, I believe he's going to make this defense take a jump. He had six picks in training camp. I mean, yeah. by far more than anybody else. So uh, he had a really, really good camp. And, you know, him playing so well, you know, Probably led a little bit to absolutely they knew that if, they could if, let yeah. Chauncey go. Yeah, if you don't have a guy who you feel like can take over the spot, you keep the guy that you have right. in the spot. Yeah, it definitely shows the confidence that the coaching staff, the players around them have in that position, in the depth they have there. Um, from Twitter, um, at Tinson Joe, wanted to know who on the Saints will emerge as a breakout star not veteran but somebody in the first season so he specifically said rookies we don't have that many of them this year well that's the guy anyway there's only one of them yeah and his number is num- kind of... his number is 12 <laughs> process of elimination <laughs> well the, Delonte the other, Taylor well I, I just from watching Chris Olave in camp I mean he is going to be featured in this offense there's no doubt about it yeah yeah, he's going to have chances. Um, and, again, if Michael Thomas is healthy right. and if Jarvis Landry is doing what he generally does, then Chris Olave being the, I guess, wide receiver three, can you mm-hmm. imagine that? Yeah, you put him out there against somebody else's not top corner, I think he's going to win. It's wild to think that Chris Olave, the way that we saw him play in camp, is your third option, especially because a lot of your backs, Alvin Kamara, they – they catch two. You know, they're in the receiving game. No, I just I think of Jameis like in going through training camp this year has got he, he had to be going, you know, doing cartwheels in his in his mind, knowing man, I did not have this last yeah. year. Yeah. I just didn't have it. Yeah, if you're a D, you gotta figure, okay, okay, do we double Michael Thomas? Do we double Alvin Kamara? Mm-hmm. Do we double Jarvis Landry now that he's got, you know, eight catches and a half? Or do we double the rookie who we don't know a whole lot about. So I think Chris Olave is going to have a lot of situations where he's going to have a guy that he's got to beat. And we saw a little glimpse of that in that first drive against the Chargers when the starters played. And remember, Michael Thomas wasn't even out there. Yeah. So, I mean, Jarvis Landry's making third down plays. Olave made a third down play. So there are options. And again, number 41's back there as well. That first drive was very balanced between passing and run game. The AK was getting in there. Mark Ingram obviously getting the touchdown carry. 
going to be fun to see how all of those assets are used this year. Looking at our first game, our first opponent in the Atlanta Falcons, they were 7-10 and last year, third in our division, second year under head coach Arthur Smith. What are our predictions here? What are some things you're keying in on for this game? It's a rivalry game, J.D. I mean, when you start, look, it's Falcons week. Here we go. Uh, I just, when you play them in the first game of the year, it's it's always a little extra juice, if you will, um, being there where, you know, they really don't have a home field advantage. Uh, there's going to be 25,000 Saints fans easily uh, next Sunday. But you know you're going to get their best shot when this game starts because it's opening day, it's in the division, and it's going to be a battle. Every Saints-Falcons game always is a battle. Look, I think they overachieved last year. Now, they had Matt Ryan as their quarterback, but they just were not good at all defensively. I mean, they were really, really poor. But they won They won games that they were supposed to win when you're talking about on paper. Their problem was when they played decent teams, they did not stand a chance. Now, of course, they beat the Saints in the Dome, but that was you know kind of the hiccup game of the year for the Saints last year. Yeah, you mentioned Matt Ryan not being there this year. You have the quarterback, Marcus Mariota, now. The offense could look a lot different. Well, Marcus Mariota is the type of quarterback that can give not just any team, not just the Saints, but any team trouble. But the Saints, uh, we know um, Daniel Jones from the Giants gave him difficulty, Mm -hmm. mobile. Um, Jalen Hurts, my God, uh, did just about what he wanted to in terms of running the football. And Marcus Mariota can move. Uh, he 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 can do the zone read. He can throw it. And so he's a guy, if the Saints don't properly uh, discipline themselves, and they always talk about eye discipline, you know, don't fall for what you think you're seeing. Uh, that's going to be critical with a guy like Mariota because he'll tuck it. And even if he's not doing his own read, he can just drop back in the pocket and tuck it. And still, he's mobile enough to where he gives you problems. And that has been an issue for the Saints as good as they've been defensively. Um, Jalen Hurts, they couldn't stop for two straight years. Mm-hmm. They couldn't deal with Daniel Jones. Now some other mobile quarterbacks they've been able to deal with. Uh, but you add in the Cordero Patterson factor mm-hmm. uh, for the for the Falcons offense. And now it's a complete and total headache because – you know, Patterson came in here and almost single-handedly beat the Saints last yeah. year. <laughs> and and he's a load. He he was my goodness. Now, Falcons got no receivers. So you hope that, you know, other than Kyle Pitts at tight end, right. you feel pretty good about the Saints matchup-wise. But man, they 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 got two guys who can run it. And that's always an issue. Uh, when you're talking about stopping a team, you know, can you get the ball out of their hands or will they run it on you 38 times and control the clock? Patterson's going into his 10th season in the NFL, but he had career highs across the board last year, over 600 yards on the ground, and then he had six rushing touchdowns, so he's still a threat even going into his 10th year, which is kind of an anomaly for running backs, and we we were talking about this earlier, watching what's going to happen with Drake London, their wide receiver that they drafted eighth overall out of USC, got injured for his preseason game. Not sure about his status. Yeah, no, still don't know. And, you know, going back to Patterson, he just ran out of gas at the end of the year. He they, yeah. he was not never utilized in his entire career. I mean, he was a kick returner. Yeah, he was a kick returner at, receiver. In Chicago. I mean, yeah. bare, I mean, he'd be on the field 20% of the time. Last year, they literally ran him to where he was ineffective at the end of the year because he was completely out of gas. Yeah, so hopefully he'll um, – not being so much gas in the first game. <laughs> I mean, he's he's tough to deal with. No I mean, qu- the, no the, the pass he caught to set up the game winner. Yeah, you know, he beats a corner. 
It's not he, he didn't beat a linebacker. He didn't beat a defensive end. He beat a corner, and he has that kind of skill. The Falcons' defense allowed 132 yards on the ground last year, so definitely an area that the Saints need to establish in that game. And then their secondary, they added Casey Hayward, um, picked him up in free agency, and then you still have A.J. Terrell, who's very good um, in that regard. So a couple areas to watch, a couple players to watch for that game. Of course, you could hear it in Graf's voice. It's a rivalry game, so emotions are going to be high regardless. Either way, I'm hopefully. already nervous. Yeah. That's just me. I, 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 <laughs> you have to make it out of Atlanta. I know, I know, I know. All right, so I have a couple stats for this season. Looking ahead, you got to let me know if this is something that's going to hit or is it going to miss. So Alvin Kamara needs 62 receptions for to achieve the most ever by a running back in his first six seasons. Okay, so 62 receptions this year. He had 47 last year in 13 games. Oh, that's a hit. I mean, if he's healthy, he's going to get 80 probably. So, yeah, that's a hit. All right. Okay. Cam Jordan, he needs seven sacks this year to continue his streak of having seven sacks in 10 straight seasons. Let's hope he does get it. (laughs) I I would say so. The one real thing that disappointed me in the preseason was our lack of pass rush. Um, So I think that's got to get tuned up a little bit. We really didn't get to the quarterback very often. Uh, if at all, the one sack I remember was uh, Taco had the uh, sack in Green Bay, and, and I think that was it. Yeah. So we well, we gotta we gotta do a much better job getting to the quarterback. Well, Demario got one on, on the. Oh, on that's the true. That's true. Yeah. But that's I, true. I, I think a lot of that has to do with the guys on the field, though. Um, yeah. And, and Cam, I say, gets a seven because Cam feeds off David on Yamada, who gives good point. The push in and the, those guys didn't play. Yeah, mm-hmm. he didn't. Yeah, he didn't play. And if and if Davenport's doing what he's supposed to do on the right side. Cam will get his on the left side because of all the pressure that's being applied. All right, you brought up Demario Davis. He's had five straight seasons with at least 100 tackles. Does he hit or miss the century mark this year? Hit. Yeah. I mean, uh, hit, just yeah. automatic, He's basically. everywhere. Yeah. Marshawn Lattimore, he's had at least 10 passes defensed in each of the last five seasons, which was good for third in the league with 19 last year alone. Hit or miss, does he get 10 this year? I would assume. Why not? I, I'd like to see, you know, some interceptions in there along with passes defensed. But, yeah, 10 really isn't that big of a number if you think about it. Now, here's the thing. You've got two lockdown cornerbacks opposite each other. So who do the opposition quarterbacks start throwing to? I mean, they're staying away from Lattimore because he's got that type of reputation. Well, if Paulson Adebo continues as to what we saw during training camp mm-hmm. if he plays like this all year there's gonna be some big problems for the opposition because there's no there's not gonna be anybody to throw to no and Adebo had a pass breakup in every single day of camp over no the question past month so it's definitely a factor to see if you're going to be able to reach that mark if you're even targeted um Michael Thomas if he comes back obviously 2019 had an incredible season 149 receptions 1700 yards Okay, so he had nine touchdowns in that year. Does he get double-digit touchdowns this year? No. If he didn't get it that year, no, because he's and there's a lot more help Correct. to go around to spread it around. So I agree. You know, no. If you've got, no, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. If he's got eight and three other guys Correct. have, you know, between six and eight, then right. that's kind of what you want. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I- 
We talked about this earlier with quarterback Jameis Winston. Last year he had 14 touchdowns. He played in seven games. So if he keeps that pace, that's 34 touchdowns in 17 games. Does I'll, does he keep the pace? No, I don't think so because I don't think he will I don't I don't think he'll need to. I don't think he'll need 34. I think I think 28-30 will be plenty and I if he keeps the interceptions down to 10 11 you know I think that's the perfect ratio of what what would be hoped for like mine so I was thinking I'd be very happy anywhere in the 25 to 30 range as long as those interceptions are down because again you've got you've got other I mean you're handing off to, to Ingram Correct. or Camaro or even Taysom Hill somebody else yeah. at the you know, when you get in the red zone, after he doesn't the line. have to shoulder yeah. all the yeah, load. Yeah, he doesn't right. have to. You know, you get in a situation where I think the biggest thing that Drew Brees always told him was take the profit. You know, dump it off, punt if you have to, and live to fight another set of downs. But you don't need to force anything. Winston said that too. Um, I think it was going into the Chargers game. He said, "I love throwing touchdowns. I love you know getting that feeling. But for me, I like winning more." And that's what it's going to be about this season. So definitely going to watch his production across the board. His decision-making is key. From 2017 to 2020, the Saints were the number one team in the NFC South. Missed out on the division title next year. Do we hit the number one spot in the NFC South this year? Talking about winning the division? Yeah. Uh, If everybody stays healthy, yes. Everybody healthy, it doesn't matter. Everybody's okay. healthy okay, right wait, wait, wait. now. We work for the team. So, <laughs> I mean, are we legitimately actually going to say anything else? No, this team's going to win a division. I, I mean, they're gonna, they are they swept Tampa last year. They swept them the year before. I, I, I'll say this. There's nobody in this division that scares me. No. So, no. so I mean, I think they match up. What Tampa has is a really good offense. Right. Uh, and the Saints have a really good defense, and they've shown that that really good defense can beat Tampa's really good offense. So I think, you know, you get back onto the uh, division-winning cycle here. All right. Think about the turnover we had last year and won 10 games. Then should have been in the playoffs. Yeah. Thanks a lot, San Francisco. uh, Four quarterbacks, four kickers, and won nine games. There you have it. Uh, Nine games, sorry. So easily could have gotten to 11 or 12. Probably could have contended for the division championship last year if you get Well, two games we had to punt because of COVID, too. Yeah, the Carolina game early and the Miami game. Yeah, I don't those, even count those games. So, just, yeah. Oh, we're still rehashing last season. I know. Let's we're move so on. <laughs> Let's move on. The Saints have the ninth easiest schedule in the league this season, so hopefully they can take advantage of that, win the division, and then we'll see everybody in February. Thank you for joining me, guys. No Thank problem. you. What a way to kick off the season against Atlanta, three straight division games, and then London. Ahead of that game in Atlanta, you can participate in the Saints kickoff run on September 10th. There will be medals, t-shirts, a post-race party. You can sign up at saints5k.com. On Wednesday's episode of the New Orleans Saints podcast, I'll sit down with Shannon Spake, who will be on the sidelines for the Saints game in Atlanta this weekend. She'll be on the call with Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to the New Orleans Saints podcast so you don't ever miss any episodes. This season is going to be electric. It's going to be a lot of fun, and you don't want to miss any of our interviews, inside info, and perspective. Thanks for listening today, and have a great one. 
Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.